section fifty six of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter fifty three part one nay ricart said catherine at last for heaven's sake let not this one sorry wench set us all by the ears hath she not made ill blood enough already in very deed she hath fear me not good mother let her come and read the letter of the poor boy she hath by devilish arts and then let her go give me your words to show her no countenance beyond decent and constrained civility lest we may not being in our own house and i will say no more on this understanding they waited the foe she for her part prepared for the interview in a spirit little less hostile when Donya brought word they would not come to her but would receive her her lip curled and she bade him observe how in them every feeling however small was larger than the love for gerard well said she i have not that excuse so why mimic the pretty burghers pride the pride of all unlettered folk i will go to them for gerard's sake oh how i loathe them thus poor good-natured donya was bringing into one house the materials of an explosion margaret made her toilet in the same spirit that a knight of her day dressed for battle he to parry blows and she to parry glances glances of contempt at her poverty or of irony at her extravagance her kirtle was of english cloth dark blue and her farthingale and hose of the same material but a glossy roan or claret colour not an inch of pretentious fur about her but plain snowy linen wristbands and curiously plaited linen from the bosom of the kirtle up to the commencement of the throat it did not encircle her throat but framed it being square not round her front hair still peeped into waifs much after the fashion which mary queen of scots revived a century later but instead of the silver net which would have ill become her present condition the rest of her head was covered with a very small tight-fitting hood of dark blue cloth hemmed with silver her shoes were red but their own petticoat and hose prepared the spectator's mind for the shock and they set off the arched instep and shapely foot beauty knew its business then as now and with all this she kept her enemies waiting though it was three by the dial at last she started attended by her he comrade and when they were half-way she stopped and said thoughtfully Donya, well she general i must go home piteously what have ye left somewhat behind what my courage oh 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 nay nay be brave she general i shall be with you ay but will keep close to me when i be there donya promised and she resumed her march but gingerly meantime they were all assembled and waiting for her with a strange mixture of feelings mortification curiosity panting affection aversion to her who came to gratify those feelings yet another curiosity to see what she was like and what there was in her to bewitch gerard and make so much mischief at last donya came alone and whispered the she comrade is without fetch her in said eli now whist all of ye none speak to her but i 
they all turned their eyes to the door in dead silence a little muttering was heard outside donya's rough organ and a woman's soft and mellow voice presently that stopped and then the door opened slowly and margaret brant dressed as i have described and somewhat pale but calm and lovely stood on the threshold looking straight before her they all rose but kate and remained mute and staring be seated mistress said eli gravely and motioned to a seat that had been set apart for her she inclined her head and crossed the apartment and in so doing her condition was very visible not only in her shape but in her languor cornelis and sybrant hated her for it Ricard thought it spoiled her beauty it softened the women somewhat she took her letter out of her bosom and kissed it as if she had been alone then disposed herself to read it with the air of one who knew she was there for that single purpose but as she began she noticed they had seated her all by herself like a leper she looked at donya and putting her hand down by her side made him a swift furtive motion to come by her he went with an obedient start as if she had cried march and stood at her shoulder like a sentinel but this zealous manner of doing it revealed to the company that he had been ordered thither and at that she coloured and now she began to read her gerard there gerard to their eager ears in a mellow clear voice so soft so earnest so thrilling her very soul seemed to cling about each precious sound it was a voice as of a woman's bosom set speaking by heaven itself i do nothing doubt my margaret that long ere this shall meet thy beloved eyes donya my most dear friend will have sought thee out and told thee the manner of our unlooked-for and most tearful parting therefore i will e'en begin at that most doleful day what befell him after poor faithful soul fain fain would i hear but may not but i pray for him day and night next after thee dearest friend more stanch and loving had not david in jonathan than i in him be good to him for poor gerard's sake at these words which came quite unexpectedly to him donya leaned his head on margaret's high chair and groaned aloud she turned quickly as she sat and found his hand and pressed it and so the sweetheart and the friend held hands while the sweetheart read i went forward all dizzied like one in an ill dream and presently a gentleman came up with his servants all on horseback and had like to have rid o'er me and he drew rein at the brow of the hill and sent his armed men back to rob me they robbed me civilly enough and took my purse and the last copper and rid gaily away i wandered stupid on a friendless pauper there was a general sigh followed by an oath from donya presently a strange dimness came o'er me i lay down to sleep on the snow twas ill done and with store of wolves hard by had i loved thee as thou dost deserve i had shown more manhood but o oh, sweet love the drowsiness that did crawl o'er me desolate and benumb me was more than nature and so i slept and but that god was better to us than i to thee or to myself from that sleep i ne'er had waked so all do say i had slept an hour or two as i suppose but no more when a hand did shake me rudely i woke to my troubles and there stood a servant girl 
in her holiday suit are ye mad quoth she in seeming collar to sleep in snow and under wolves nosen art weary a life and not long weaned come now said she more kindly get up like a good lad so i did rise up are ye rich or are ye poor but i stared at her as one amazed why tis easy of reply quoth she are ye rich or are ye poor then i gave a great loud cry that she did start back am i rich or am i poor had ye asked me an hour agone i had said i am rich but now i am so poor as sure earth beareth on her bosom none poorer an hour agone i was rich in a friend rich in money rich in hope and spirits of youth but now the bastard of burgundy hath taken my friend and another gentleman my purse and i can neither go forward to rome nor back to her i left in holland i am poorest of the poor alack said the wench nathless and ye had been rich ye might hae lain down again in the snow for any use i had for ye and then i trow ye had soon fared out of this world as bare as ye came into it but being poor you are our man so come with me then i went because she bade me and because i recked not now whither i went and she took me to a fine house hard by and into a noble dining-hall hung with black and there was set a table with many dishes and but one plate and one chair fall to said she in a whisper what alone said i alone and which of us think ye would eat out of the same dish with ye are we robbers of the dead then she speared where i was born at Turgu, said i says she and when a gentleman dies in that country serve they not the dead man's dinner up as usual till he be in the ground and set some poor man to it i told her nay she blushed for us then here they were better christians so i behooved to sit down but small was my heart for meat then this kind lass sat by me and poured me out wine and tasting it it cut me to the heart donya was not there to drink with me he does so love good wine and women good bad or indifferent the rich strong wine curled round my sick heart and that day first i did seem to glimpse why folk in trouble run to drink so she made me eat of every dish twas unlucky to pass one naught was here but her master's daily dinner he had a good stomach then said i ay lad and a good heart leastways so we all say now he is dead but being alive no word on't e'er heard i so i did eat as a bird nibbling of every dish and she hearing me sigh and seeing me like to choke at the food took pity and bade me be of good cheer i should sup and lie there that night and she went to the hind and he gave me a right good bed and i told him all and asked him would the law give me back my purse law quoth he law there was none for the poor in burgundy why twas the cousin of the lady of the manor he that had robbed me he knew the wild spark the matter must be judged before the lady and she was quite young and far more like to hang me for slandering her cousin and a gentleman and a handsome man than to make him give me back my own inside the liberties of a town a poor man might now and then see the face of justice 
but out among the grand seigneurs and dames never so i said i'll sit down robbed rather than seek justice and find gallows they were all most kind to me next day and the girl proffered me money from her small wage to help me towards rhyme oh then he is coming home he is coming home shouted Danya, interrupting the reader she shook her head gently at him by way of reproof i beg pardon all the company said he stiffly twas a sore temptation but being a servant my stomach rose against it nay nay said i she told me i was wrong twas pride out of place poor folk should help one another or who on earth would i said if i could do aught in return twere well but for a free gift nay i was overmuch beholden already should i write a letter for her nay he is in the house at present said she should i draw her picture and so earn my money what can ye said she i told her i could try and her habit would well become a picture so she was agog to be limbed and give it her lad and i set her to stand in a good light and soon made sketches too whereof i send thee one coloured at odd hours the other i did most hastily and with little conscience daub for which may heaven forgive me but time was short they poor things knew no better and were most proud and joyous and both kissing me after their country fashion twas the hind that was her sweetheart they did bid me godspeed and i towards rhyme margaret paused here and gave Donya the coloured drawing to hand round it was eagerly examined by the females on account of the costume which differed in some respects from that of the dutch domestic the hair was in a tight linen bag a yellow half-kerchief crossed her head from ear to ear but threw out a rectangular point that descended the centre of her forehead and it met in two more points over her bosom she wore a red kirtle with long sleeves kilted very high in front and showing a green farthingale and a great red leather purse hanging down over it red stockings yellow leathern shoes ahead of her age for they were low-quartered and square-toed secured by a strap buckling over the instep which was not uncommon and was perhaps the rude germ of the diamond buckle to come margaret continued but oh how i miss my Donya at every step often i sat down on the road and groaned and in the afternoon it chanced that i did so set me down where two roads met and with heavy head in hand and heavy heart did think of thee my poor sweetheart and of my lost friend and of the little house at turgu where they all loved me once though now it is turned to hate catherine alas that he will think so eli whist wife and i did sigh loud and often and me sighing so no one came caroling like a bird adown t'other road i chirp and chirp cried i bitterly thou hast not lost sweetheart and friend thy father's hearth thy mother's smile and every penny in the world and at last he did so carol and carol i jumped up in ire to get away from his most jarring mirth but ere i lied from it i looked down the path to see what could make a man so light-hearted in this weary world and lo the songster was a hump-backed cripple with a bloody bandage o'er his eye and both legs gone at the knee he 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 went sybrant laughing and cackling margaret's eyes flashed she began to fold the letter up nay lass said eli heed him not 
thou unmannerly cur offer it but again and i put thee to the door why what was there to jibe at sybrant remonstrated catherine more mildly is not arcade afflicted and is she not the most content of us all and singeth like a merle at times between her pains but i am as bad as thou prithee read on lass and stop our gabble with somewhat worth the hearkening then said i may this thing be and i took myself to task gerard son of eli dost thou well to bemoan thy lot thou hast youth and health and here comes the wreck of nature on crutches praising god's goodness with singing like a mavis catherine there you see eli wished dame wished and whenever he saw me he left caroling and presently hobbled up and chanted charity for love of heaven sweet master charity with a whine as piteous as wind at keyhole alack poor soul said i charity is in my heart but not my purse i am poor as thou then he believed me none and to melt me undid his sleeve and showed a sore wound on his arm and said he poor cripple though i be i am like to lose this eye to boot look else i saw and groaned for him and to excuse myself let him wot how i have been robbed of my last copper thereat he left whining all in a moment and said in a big manly voice then i'll e'en take a rest here youngster pull thou this strap nay fear not i pulled and down came a stout pair of legs out of his back and half his hump had melted away and the wound in his eye no deeper than the bandage oh ejaculated margaret's hearers in a body whereat seeing me astounded he laughed in my face and told me i was not worth gulling and offered me his protection my face was prophetic he said of what said i mary said he that its owner will starve in this thievish land travel teaches e'en the young wisdom time was i had turned and fled this impostor as a pestilence but now i listened patiently to pick up crumbs of counsel and well i did for nature and his adventurous life had crammed the poor knave with shrewdness and knowledge of the homelier sort a child was i beside him when he had turned me inside out said he didst well to leave france and make for germany but think not of holland again nay on to augsburg and nurnberg the paradise of craftsmen thence to venice and thou wilt but thou wilt never bide in italy nor any other land having once tasted the great german cities why there is but one honest country in europe and that is germany and since thou art honest and since i am a vagabond germany was made for us twain i bade him make that good how might one country fit true men and knaves why thou novice said he because in an honest land are fewer knaves to bite the honest man and many honest men for the knave to bite i was in luck being honest to have fallen in with a friendly sharp be my pal said he i go to nuremberg we will reach it with full pouches i'll learn ye the call de bois and the call de jatte and how to mond and chaunt and patter and to raise swellings and paint sores and ulcers on my body would take in the devil i told him shivering i'd liever die than shame myself and my folk so eli good lad good lad why what shame was it for such as i to turn beggar beggary was an ancient and most honourable mystery what did holy monks and bishops and kings when they would win heaven's smile why wash the feet of beggars those favourites of the saints the saints were no fools he told me then he did put out his foot look at that that was washed by the greatest king alive louis of france the last holy thursday that was and the next 
day friday clapped in the stocks by the warden of a petty hamlet so i told him my foot should walk between such high honour and such low disgrace on the same path of honesty please god well then since i had not spirit to beg he would indulge my perversity i should work under him he be the head i the fingers and with that he set himself up like a judge on a heap of dust by the road's side and questioned me strictly what i could do i began to say i was strong and willing bah said he so is an ox say what canst do that sir ox cannot i could write i'd won a prize for it canst write as fast as the printers quo he jeering what else i could paint that was better i was like to tear my hair to hear him say so and me going to rome to write i could twang the psaltery a bit that was well could i tell stories i by the score then said he i hire you from this moment what to do said i not crooked sir candor says he i will feed thee all the way and find thee work and take half thine earnings no more agreed said i and gave my hand on it now servant said he we will dine but ye need not stand behind my chair for two reasons first i had got no chair and next good fellowship likes me better than state and out of his wallet he brought flesh fowl and pastry a good dozen of spices lapped in flax paper and wine fit for a king ne'er feasted i better than out of this beggar's wallet now my master when we had well eaten i was for going on but said he servants should not drive their masters too hard especially after feeding for then the body is for repose and the mind turns to contemplation and he lay on his back gazing calmly at the sky and presently wondered whether there were any beggars up there i told him i knew but of one called lazarus could he do the call de jatte better than i said he and looked quite jealous like i told him nay lazarus was honest though a beggar and fed daily of the crumbs fallen from a rich man's table and the dogs licked his sores servant quo he i spy a foul fault in thee thou liest without discretion now the end of lying being to gall this is no better than fumbling with the devil's tail i pray heaven thou mayest prove to paint better than thou cuttest wids or i am done out of a dinner no beggar eats crumbs but only the fat of the land and dogs lick not a beggar's sores being made with spare wart or ratsbane or biting asses from all which dogs and even pigs abhor my sores are made after my proper receipt but no dog would lick e'en them twice i've made a scurvy bargain art a cousining knave i doubt as well as a nincompoop i deigned no reply to this bundle of lies which did accuse heavenly truth of falsehood for not being in a tale with him he rose and we took the road and presently we came to a place where were two little wayside inns scarce a furlong apart halt said my master their armories are sore faded all the better go thou in shun the master board the wife and flatter her in sky-high all but armories and offer to colour them dirt cheap so i went in and told the wife i was a painter and would revive her armories cheap but she sent me away with a rebuff i to my master he groaned ye are all fingers and no tongue said he i've made a scurvy bargain come and hear me patter and flatter between the two inns was a high hedge he goes behind it a minute and comes out a decent tradesman we went on to the other inn and then i heard him praise it so fulsome as the very wife did blush but says he there is one little little fault your armories are dull and faded say but the word and for a silver franc my apprentice here the cunningness there i had shall make them bright as ever 
while she hesitated the rogue told her he had done it to a little inn hard by and now the inn's face was like the starry firmament do you hear that my man cries she the three frogs have been and painted up their armories shall the four hedgehogs be outshone by them so i painted and my master stood by like a lord advising me how to do and winking to me to heed him none and i got a silver franc and he took me back to the three frogs and on the way put me on a beard and disguised me and flattered the three frogs and told them how he had adorned the four hedgehogs and into the net jumped the three poor simple frogs and i earned another silver franc then we went on and he found his crutches and sent me forward and showed his cicatrices d'emprunt as he called them and all his infirmities at the four hedgehogs and got both food and money come share and share quoth he so i gave him one franc i have made a good bargain said he art a master limner but takest too much time so i let him know that in matters of honest craft things could not be done quick and well then do them quick quoth he and he told me my name was Baumbeck, and i might call him called de jatte because that was his lay at our first meeting and at the next town my master called a jatte bought me a psaltery and set himself up again by the roadside in state like him that erst judged marcius and apollo piping for vain glory so i played a string indifferent well harmonious bonbeck said he haughtily now tune thy pipes so i did sing a sweet strain the good monks taught me and singing it reminded poor bonbeck gerard erst of his young days at home and brought the water to my een but looking up my master's visage was as the face of a little boy whipped soundly or sipping foulest medicine zounds stop that bellyache blether quoth he that will ne'er while a stiver out of peasants purses twill but sour the nurse's milk and gar the kind jump into rivers to be out of earshot on't what false knave did i buy thee a fine new psaltery to be minded of my latter end withal hearken these be the songs that glad the heart and fill the minstrel's purse and he sung so blasphemous a stave and eke so obscene as i drew away from him a space that the lightning might not spoil the new psaltery however none came being winter and then i said master the lord is debonair held i the thunder yon ribaldry had been thy last thou foul mouth wretch why bonbeck what is to do quoth he i have made an ill bargain oh perverse heart that turneth from doctrine so i bade him keep his breath to cool his broth ne'er would i shame my folk with singing ribald songs then says he sulkily the first fire we light by the wayside clap thou on the music-box so twill make our pot boil for the nonce but with your good people let us peek and pine cut tristful mugs and meow and wine thorough our nose and chaunts divine never 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 he might as well go through lorraine crying mully grubs mully grubs who'll buy my mully grubs so we fared on bad friends but i took a thought and prayed him hum me one of his naughty ditties again then he brightened and broke forth into ribaldry like a nightingale finger and ears stuffed i no words naught but the bare melody for oh margaret note the sly malice of the evil one still to the scurviest matter he wedded the tunablest ditties catherine that is true as holy writ sybrant how know you that mother cornelis he 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 eli wished ye uneasy whites and let me hear the boy he is wiser than ye wiser than his years what tomfoolery is this 
said he yet he yielded to me and soon i garnered three of his melodies but i would not let caldy jot wot the thing i meditated show not fools nor bairns unfinished work saith the byword and by this time twas night and a little town at hand where we went each to his inn for my master would not yield to put off his rags and other sores till morning nor i to enter an inn with a tatterdemalion so we were to meet on the road at peep of day and indeed we still lodged apart meeting at morn and parting at eve outside each town we lay at and waking at midnight and cogitating good thoughts came down to me and sudden my heart was enlightened i called to mind that my margaret had withstood the taking of the burgomaster's purse tis theft said you disguise it how you will but i must be wiser than my betters and now that which i had as good as stolen others had stolen from me as it came so it was gone then i said heaven is not cruel but just and i vowed a vow to repay our burgomaster every shilling and i could and i went forth in the morning sad but hopeful i felt lighter for the purse being gone my master was at the gate becrutched i told him i'd liever have seen him in another disguise beggars must not be choosers said he however soon he bade me untrust him for he felt sadly his head swam i told him forcefully to deform nature thus could scarce be wholesome he answered none but looked scared and hand on head by and by he gave a groan and rolled on the ground like a ball and writhed sore i was scared and wist not what to do but went to lift him but his trouble rose higher and higher he gnashed his teeth fearfully and the foam did fly from his lips and presently his body bended itself like a bow and jerked and bounded many times into the air i exercised him it but made him worse there was water in a ditch hard by not very clear but the poor creature struggling between life and death i filled my hat withal and came flying to souse him then my lord laughed in my face come bonbeck by thy white gills i have not forgotten my trade i stood with watery hat in hand glaring could this be feigning what else said he why a real fit is the sorriest thing but a stroke with a feather compared with mine art still betters nature but look e'en now blood trickleth from your nose said i ay ay pricked my nostrils with the straw but ye foamed at the lips oh a little soap makes a mickle foam and he drew out a morsel like a bean from his mouth thank thy stars bombeck says he for leading thee to a worthy master each day his lesson to-morrow we will study the col de bois and other branches to-day own me prince of demoniacs and indeed of all good fellows then being puffed up he forgot yesterday's grudge and discoursed me freely of beggars and gave me who eftsoons thought a beggar was a beggar and there an end the names and qualities of full thirty sorts of masterful and crafty mendicants in france and germany and england his three provinces for so the poor proud knave he clept those kingdoms three where in his throne it was the stocks i ween and outside the next village one had gone to dinner and left his wheelbarrow so says he i'll tie myself in a knot and shalt wheel me through and what with my crippledom and thy piety a wheeling of thy poor old dad we'll bleed the bumpkins of a datcha salty i did refuse i would work for him but no hand would have in begging and wheeling an asker in a barrow is not that work said he then fling yon muckle stone in to boot stay i'll soil it a bit and swear it is a chip of the holy sepulchre and you wheeled us both from jerusalem 
said i wheeling a pair o' eyes one stony one fleshy may be work and hard work but honest work tis not tis fumbling with his tail you wot of and said i master next time you go to tempt me to knavery speak not to me of my poor old dad said i you have minded me of my real father's face the truest man in holland he and i are ill friends now worse luck but though i offend him shame him i never will dear margaret with this knave saying your poor old dad it had gone to my heart like a knife tis well said my master gloomily i've made a bad bargain presently he halts and eyes a tree by the wayside go spell me what is writ on yon tree so i went and there was naught but a long square drawn in outline i told him so so much for thy monkish lore quoth he a little farther and he sent me to read a wall there was naught but a circle scratched on the stone with a point of nail or knife and in the circle two dots i said so then said he bombeck that square was a warning some good truand left it that came through this village faring west that means dangerous the circle with the two dots was writ by another of our brotherhood and it signifies as how the writer soit roland crapou soit triboulet soit catin de bois or what not was becked for asking here and lay two months in starabin then he broke forth talk of your little snivelling books that go in pouch three books have i france england and germany and they are writ all over in one tongue that my brethren of all countries understand and that is what i call learning so sith here they whip sores and imprison infirmities i to my tiring room and he popped behind the hedge and came back worshipful we passed through the village and i sat me down on the stocks and even the barber's apprentice wets his razor on a block so did i flesh my psaltery on this village fearing great cities i tuned it and coursed up and down the wires nimbly with my two wooden strikers and then chanted loud and clear as i had heard the minstrels of the country qui veut qui veut savoir some trash i mind not what and soon the villagers male and female thronged about me thereat i left singing and recited them to the psaltery a short but right merry tale out of the lives of the saints which it is my handbook of pleasant figments and this ended instantly struck up and whistled one of call the jatte's devil's ditties and played it on the psaltery to boot thou knowest heaven hath bestowed on me a rare whistle both for compass and tune and with me whistling bright and full this sprightly air and making the wires slow when the tune did gallop and tripping when the tune did amble or i did stop and shake on one note like a lark in the air they were like to eat me but looking round low my master had given way to his itch and there was his hat on the ground a copper pouring in i deemed it cruel to whistle the bread out of poverty's pouch so broke off and away yet could not get clear so swift but both men and women did slobber me sore and smelled all of garlic there master said i i call that cleaving the divil in twain and keeping his white hat said he bonbeck i have made a good bargain then he bade me stay where i was while he went to the holy land i stayed and he leaped the churchyard dyke and the sexton was digging a grave and my master chaffered with him and came back with a knuckle-bone but why he clept a churchyard holy land that i learned not then but after dinner i was colouring the armories of a little inn and he sat by me most peaceable a-cutting and filing and polishing bones sedately so i speared was not honest work sweet as rain-water said he mocking what was he a-making a pair of bones to play on with thee and with the refuse a saint anthony's thumb and a saint martin's little finger for the devout the vagabone and now 
sweet margaret thou seest our manner of life bearing rhineward i with the two arts i had least prized or counted on for bread was welcome everywhere too poor now to fear robbers yet able to keep both master and man on the road for at night i often made a portraiture of the innkeeper or his dame and so went richer from an inn the which it is the lot of few but my master despised this even way of life i love ups and downs said he and certes he lacked them not one day he would gather more than i in three another to hear his tale it had rained kicks all day in lieu of salties and that is pennies yet even then at heart he despised me for a poor mechanical soul and scorned my arts extolling his own the art of feigning nathless at odd times was he ill at his ease going through the town of aix we came upon a beggar walking fast by one hand to a cart-tail and the hangman of lashing his bare bloody back he stout knave so whip did not a jot relent but i did wince at every stroke and my master hung his head soon or late bombac quoth he soon or late i seeing his haggard face knew what he meaned and at a town whose name hath slipped me but twas on a fair river as we came to the foot of the bridge he halted and shuddered why what is the coil said i o oh, blind said he they are justifying there so naught would serve him but take a boat and cross the river by water but twas out of the frying-pan as the word goeth for the boatman has scarce told us the matter and that it was a man and a woman for stealing glazed windows out of housen and that the man was hanged at daybreak and the queen to be drowned when lo they did fling her off the bridge and fell in the water not far from us and o oh, margaret the deadly splash it ringeth in my ears even now but worse was coming for though tied she came up and cried help help and i forgetting all and hearing a woman's voice cry help was for leaping in to save her and had surely done it but the boatman and called a jot clung round me and in a moment the borough's man that waited in a boat came and entangled his hooked pole in her long hair and so thrust her down and ended her oh if the saints answered so our cries for help and poor called a jot groaned and i sat sobbing and beat my breast and cried of what hath god made men's hearts End of section fifty six